Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Absolutely awesome. Massive welcome to Down in the Overflow. And of course, everyone here, we love the fact that you have come. You find us right uh, at the end of a series that we've done over the last weeks to do with giving. And uh, so, you know what? If you don't usually go to church or you really wouldn't call yourself a Christian, firstly, I wanna say we love the fact that you're here. and We want you just to sit back and, uh, you know, listen to what's being said. I'm sure you'll get something out of it. And also, you get an opportunity to hear what all the Christians should be doing. But we are, this morning actually shouldn't have happened. Uh, but I rang Lawrence uh, and I said, listen, man, I think I need to swap with you because I've just got some stuff still in me in regard to this series that I need to get out of me. So this, this is probably not a very cohesive sermon. However, it's like there's like a truck backing up with everything that I wished I'd said and hadn't said that's just gonna dump on you this morning. Is that Okay. Uh, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I think at some point, either you've said it or you've heard it, you know, uh, from your mum, or if you're a parent, you can't get through parenting without actually saying this, you know, you say, eat your vegetables. They're good for you. Uh, anyone heard that or said it? Yeah, give me a wave, of course, uh, because it's part of life. Uh, well, today is an eat your vegetables sermon. And uh, that means that you might prefer dessert. You might prefer a nice steak. You might prefer a nice piece of fish. But you've got to also eat your vegetables. Turn to someone near you and say, eat your vegetables. (laughs) I think that what I'm trying to get across this morning is that if you look at giving in isolation, you're gonna completely get it wrong. And I loved what Tando said uh, during the, the, the offering there about the, the connection between love and giving. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention that, you know, that's what Heart Church is, a, sorry, Heart Week, it's what Heart Church is about, but it's also what Heart Week is about. It's about loving and giving. Although I couldn't help but think, that I want the carpets to go in after they've painted. Did anyone else think that? I'm like, no man, don't put the, don't put the carpets in before you've painted, you know? Anyway, I'm just saying, I would have done it the other way around, but yeah, those, it was just irritating me. I, I couldn't hear anything else to say because I think, why are they doing that? Why are they putting the carpets in then? I was, I wanna, I wanna say that I'm not, I'm not really for the kind of Christianity where, you know, you kind of say you love God and you come to church and you sing a few songs and you listen to a sermon and, you know, and then you leave here and just get on with the rest of your life. You know, I've, I've been trying over the last few weeks, as I said, to, to close the gap between your church life and the normal life, on your normal life, because there actually shouldn't be a church life and a normal life. 
there should be your life. And uh, you know, if you're gonna go to church and you're just gonna listen to a, a word, the word, the word, listen to the word, and you're gonna sing a few songs uh, and just get on with your life, that's not Christianity, that's churchianity. And, and I don't believe we're called to churchianity, we're called to Christianity, where Jesus does not just affect my Sundays, He affects my every day. It's not about Christian entertainment where we come, we get together, we have a little bit of a motivational chat and then we can get up, pumped up and just get on with our week until we need to come and gather for our next motivational chat. It's not like that. In fact, James in the New Testament put it like this. He said, but don't just listen to God's Word. This is James chapter 1, verse 22. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to it, do it. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. It's like ridiculous. I mean, it's like we're not supposed to just listen. We're supposed to act on it. So I think I also want to throw in there, you know what, Jesus wants your life to work. I, this is, I'm not like that guy who's like, you know, like Christianity is just pie in, your, pie in the sky till you die. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I think that Jesus, I, thank God I'm saved. The, the blood of Jesus has paid for my every sin. I thank God that He has taken away my shame and my guilt. I thank God for the cross. It is awesome. But I don't believe that God's intention now is that I sit around in the lifeboat until I go to be with Him or He comes again. I don't think, God, God wants my life to work. And as I live my life on earth, I bring glory and honour to God and to the name of Jesus. So today I've got lots of titles uh, one, and this, is, this was my working title that I've got to do, Faith, Stewardship and the Pursuit of Happiness. But I've got a couple of other ones that we'll hear as we go along. Faith, Stewardship and the Pursuit of Happiness because I believe that God wants us to do some stuff. So we've talked about giving, we've talked about generosity, and uh, I understand that I'm brushing over a little bit of this stuff because don't forget, we've already been talking about this over the last four weeks. But Paul writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 9, he said this, this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. There is something about generosity that brings praise to God. And that's about the way we live our lives. And I think that it's not just about your attitude. It is, it's a spiritual thing. There's a spiritual dynamic. Something should have changed in my life. In, in Acts chapter four, 
where they talk about the outpouring of the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 onwards. Listen, it says this, while they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's Word with fearless confidence. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus and grace was on them all. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Now I'm gonna come back to that in just a moment. But I wanna just remind us that we don't just believe in God. See, when I came to Jesus and I, and I, I received Him as Lord and Saviour. The Bible says that by His Spirit, He comes to dwell in my heart and life. This is key. It's essential to understand it. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul writes, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. We aren't just following a set of rules. We aren't just following a a certain path. What, what, What God is saying is you're not under law anymore. I I know that you can't work this out. You can't work this through on your own. You need help, but don't worry. I'm going to come and dwell in you. I'm going to come and live in your heart. I'm going to transform your life from the inside out and let you see me work through you. It's not just about believing in God, but know that the Spirit of God comes to dwell in me to help me live my life differently. Because do you not see that it is easy to believe in God, but remain the same? I can believe in God, but just stay the same. It's not just about believing in God. It's about this God has come to dwell within my heart and Life. It's, I work out my faith, not in my, by my own strength and efforts, but by His Spirit. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So, I want us to just take note in the thing that I read there, that the Holy Spirit came to dwell within the hearts of man. Jesus said, don't leave. Don't leave the city until I send the comforter. Don't, don't go anywhere. You, if you're gonna make a success of this, you need me and you need my spirit. But I want us to also note from that scripture that, that it resulted in radical generosity. 
They didn't claim ownership of their own possessions. They, they shared, they made sure that no one was in need. They, they sold houses and fields. And I'm saying that because I think that's a good thing for Pentecostals to hear. Because somehow we've managed to reduce the infilling of the Holy Spirit to speaking in tongues. And we've managed to reduce the the baptism of the Spirit to prophesying and, and using the gifts of the Spirit, which I believe in and which I love and which I believe is part of our lives. But the but there is a fruit of the Spirit also. There is the Spirit of God unleashes generosity from me. It's not just about speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues often, but it's not the only fruit of the manifestation of the Spirit of God. See, generosity doesn't always look the same because you see, by the Spirit, Paul and John went up to the crippled beggar at the gate beautiful and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I give unto you. I I don't have money, but I've got something to give. Because when I've got Jesus in my life, I've always got something to give by the Spirit. Turn to someone and say, you've got something to give. You've got something to give. And then we looked last week at the link of being people who want to bless, being generous, being encourager, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life. It's, it's not just about what goes in the offering. It's, it's, that's, that's part of it. it is, but that is a mere manifestation of something much deeper that is going on in my heart and life. I couldn't help but notice um, about Barnabas, Barnabas being a fine example, Acts chapter 4 speaks of a man called Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I love that. Joseph got a name change. They changed his name to Barney. Because they, they, they saw this man going about encouraging people. And I think that's an awesome thing to get a nickname. I mean, you can get nicknames for all kinds of things. We know that. But he got a nickname because he was such an encourager. So Barney was called Barney because he was encouraging everybody. But I want us to notice something. Verse 37, it says that he sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You see, it shows a, there's a generosity of spirit here that is, it's willing to, it's willing to give away my stuff, but it's also living. The posture of my heart is to encourage and be a blessing wherever I go. And in fact, when we read a little further on in Acts 9, verse 26, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, this is Paul now, You'll get where I'm going with this in a moment. He says, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now I want you to understand that I get that. Because you've got to remember that the last time Saul, Paul, updated his Instagram account, there was a photo of 
Christians being shipped into prison, Christians being persecuted. The last tweet he gave was kill Christians. Hashtag God is good. So like, don't let's be too hard on these guys. It's like, that's, that, that was the last information they had about Saul, known as Paul. But, but verse 27 says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And now in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You see, Barnabas, out of the generosity of his spirit, Barnabas generously used his social connections. See, they might not have been able to trust Saul, but they trusted Barney. And Barney knew that. So he lent his reputation to that moment. He put his reputation on the line for the sake of Paul. And he says, no, guys, 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 I know this guy. He's a bro. It's okay. It's cool. He, he, the Lord's met with him. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm not sure. But you know what? Barnabas, because you say, we're going to accept him. And, you know, I think that that's, generosity looks like that. Sometimes generosity is not about a handout. It's a hand up. It's about opening a door for someone. As I've said, sometimes the easiest thing in the world is just to chuck a bit of money somewhere. You know, I'm not against that, but I'm saying that sometimes it's about just giving someone a bit of time, sharing your gift with someone, sharing some experience with someone that's, that's gonna put them on the right track in, in life. You know, it's, it's, there's a world of difference sometimes between, it might be easy to give someone a fish to give them something to eat today, but if I taught them two fish, you can feed them for the rest of their lives. And sometimes we're better at just giving fish than we are teaching people to fish. But that's maybe a subject for another day. So God gives us supernaturally the ability to be generous even when we would otherwise not be generous. And this is what I want to get. When we're speaking about generosity, we're not just thinking and speaking about it in within the limitations of human terms. You see, because from the next point, I nearly called this sermon, the sermon no one wants to preach and even less want to hear. Turn to someone and say, I don't know what's the matter with him today. <laughs> but because, you know, I, I listen, We're not just doing church, we're building church. We're building Christians. And and, and what, I just believe in a faith that is supposed to work better outside these walls than it does inside these walls. But that means I've got to live in a different way. Seems like Jesus very much came up with this idea first because I'm going to take a little bit from a sermon he preached. And this, so like, you might be able to argue with my sermon. You can't argue with this. This is Jesus, bro. He preached this sermon. And this is what he said in, 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 in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter six. I love this. He says, to you 
who are ready for the truth. I'm I'm speaking from the message version because it's a a contemporary version that we can easily get. But, But I just love that. Hey, if you're ready for this, are you ready for this? I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. It's like your Jesus drops mic, exits the platform. You know what I mean? It's like, what? What is he saying? I mean, that's just the first line. He's got your attention. Let your enemies bring out the best in you, not the worst. For someone, for when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behaviour. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run of the mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticise their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find a lot, life a lot easier. Give away your life you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. It's like your, I mean, like what you're gonna say? What you're gonna say to that? I mean, Jesus, yeah, we can, we can applaud Jesus' sermon, you know? He preached it over 2,000 years ago and it's still as powerful today as it was the day he preached it for the first time. And this is the kind of life that he wants us to be living. Do you not get it? That God hasn't called you to listen to a sermon. He has called you to be a sermon. Because when you are living this kind of life, wherever you go, you are being a sermon because you are messing with people's heads when you live like this. Because this is an upside down kingdom. It makes no sense to the world. They're like, what? 
this is crazy. I don't know anyone who behaves like this. Why are you behaving like this? Let me tell you, you won't have to bang doors down to talk about Jesus. You won't have to stop them in the street to give, you, give them a track. You won't have to do, you won't have to use all your evangelistic techniques. When we start, when the church of Jesus Christ starts living like this, the world will start banging away to our door because they are gonna say, why? Why do you do this? Why do you live to that standard? Why are you behaving in this way? They will want to know. And the amazing thing is, it's not just an evangelistic technique. These words flow on from the Beatitudes. These were, these were, the, these were the attitudes that Jesus was saying, listen guys, live like this. In fact, the, the word there, He says, if you, if, you, if you do this, you'll be blessed. The word blessing there means happy. Note that. Happy. When you live this way, you'll be happy. Your brain can't work that out. Because you're saying to me, I mean like, you know, let's be honest. Someone comes and slaps my face. My first thing, reaction is I want to punch you. That's my first reaction. But maybe if it happened here, you know, because I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to like model stuff, you know, like I would just like pretend to be holy and I probably wouldn't follow through. But, but you've got to understand, Jesus isn't just after the fact that I didn't. He's after the attitude that wanted to. He's after the attitude that wanted to so that genuinely my response is love genuinely I see and understand. Now I'm saying you don't get there by yourself. It's by the Spirit of God that He enables you to think in a different way. But these are the be happy attitudes in Jesus' upside down kingdom rules. Be generous when you least want to be generous to people who don't deserve it. And you'll be surprised how joy-filled and how much freedom there is in your life. Turn to someone near you and say, that guy's crazy. <laughs> See, I, what I'm trying to get us to understand is to get us out of the mindset that, you know, that God's going to do everything. See, God is great. And God is all-powerful. And God is amazing, but, but we've got jobs to do. There's some stuff we need to do. There's that amazing um, proverb, Proverbs 3, um, where, where, and listen, you're going to recognise this. Reading from verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And he will make your path straight. It's like we know that. We've written it on birthday cards. We've written it as in notes of encouragement. We know the scripture. I don't think we know the next bit as well. The next verse says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Because the proverb is opening up our minds to the fact that we're supposed to live by wisdom. You see, I believe that when I live by the Spirit, 
I'm going to live my life with wisdom. Because when I give to God, God will prosper me. But he also needs to give me the wisdom to handle the prosperity he gives to me. Because without wisdom, I will waste the blessing that he is trying to get to me. And it's not only to do with money. He says, look, this will bring, verse eight, this will bring health to your own whole body, nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your, your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's what God's saying. This is all, live like this, live wisely. And I'm gonna get the blessing to you. My son, verse 11, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver. Is anyone, any of the ladies in the house glad that wisdom is described as she? Come on, say amen. Wisdom is a she. And all the husbands say, okay, maybe not. Uh, For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, etc., etc. We're called to walk with wisdom. It's, not, it's just as important as walking blessed that I walk with wisdom. And you see, this is not just about Jesus being my saviour. This is about Jesus being Lord. I think there's lots of us here who've made Jesus saviour. But is Jesus Lord? I was, I was thinking, you know, and no doubt this sermon got me thinking because I thought, no, there's another sermon here, which I'm not gonna try and preach today. But I was thinking, I was thinking about pride and how it robs me. See, because pride says, I hear you, but I know best. I know best. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I get, I get it. I get all that stuff you're saying about upside down kingdom and living to that standards. But you know, that all sounds a little bit extreme. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, whoa. It's good, but you know, I don't know. I think that, you know, we're, it's, it's 2017. You know what I mean? We're living in a different day. And yeah. You see, that's pride. That's, that's repackaging the things that Jesus has said to us. Uh, and, and yet the truth is that what he put in place there is just as relevant and just as powerful right now, today, in this day and age than he ever, than he ever has been. From the first day he uttered his mouth, left his mouth, for the first day he uttered those words. It's just as powerful. But sometimes my pride gets in the way and says, ah, yeah, I get it, you know, but like, I'm not like one of those crazy Christians who's just extreme. But like, He's saying, I'm trying to get you. I'm not trying to just get you saved. I'm not just trying to get you into heaven. I'm trying to get you to live life in a better way because this isn't just about you. It's about your wife and your husband and your sons and your daughters. God is trying to get you to a place where you're not passing the same mess onto your kids that you are handed. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
He's trying, to, he, he's, he's trying to get us to the place where we understand that we've got some giants we need to deal with. But if I deal with those giants in my generation, my sons and my daughters will not have to deal with the same giants. They'll have giants, but it won't be the same giants. And they'll be operating with a, ble- a level of blessing that I did not operate under. It will be different because they will not have to deal with the same baggage that I had to deal with. This is the power of the gospel. I'm deciding not to be wise in my own eyes, to put my resources into the hands of God, to put my everything into the hands of God. Because you know what? If they, get, if they stay in my hands, I'm just going to stuff it up. I'm going to honour God with the first fruits of my wealth. He says, when I live with this kind of wisdom, when I do this, I'll be living by God's wisdom and that wisdom will bring me health, wealth, riches, honour and long life. That is biblical prosperity. Not just how much you've got in the bank. Not just what car you drive. Not just what kind of house you live in. It's it's health and wealth and riches and honour and long life. And this comes through not only hearing God's Word, but doing it. God wants me to live wisely. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Living wisely means that I will live as a good steward of all that God has given me. You see, a steward is someone who manages and looks after something or someone. I want you to, I want you to listen to this bit. I want you to listen to it because it won't get you standing and cheering. But if you get it, if you get it, it can change your life. Because I'm personally tired of a Christianity where we keep hearing about the possibilities of what could be. But we never actually achieve it. We never actually attain it. It's a bit like getting up and, or going to a restaurant and reading the menu or maybe getting somewhere to stand there and, and read, read the menu and tell you all these awesome things, steak and fish and rice and peas. and yeah, You know, like get all the amazing things, heaven's food, like planting and saltfish and ackee. You don't know about those kind of things. Don't pretend. Don't pretend you know. I know about those things. You don't know about those things. It's like, it's like standing up there and saying, look, this is awesome. You can eat this too. This food, when you eat it, it will change your life. And we're all going, yeah, yeah, I want it, I want it. But like no one's serving the food. And no one's telling you how to get the food. But we just get together each week and we talk about the food and we talk about the possibilities of the food. And we talk about how amazing the food would be if I actually got it. But I just believe God wants us to eat the food. He doesn't want to just hear about the food. He wants me to eat the food. He wants me to enjoy the food. He wants the food to feed me. He wants me to be energised, sustained by the food. 
I have to understand then that I've got a part to play in it. And that means that I steward the things that God has already given me. See, it's easy to come to church and say, oh God, you're awesome. You know, it's a Santa Claus God. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I need this. I need that. We come and worship a Santa Claus God. We pray our prayers. We give our requests and and we just believe for God to drop his stuff down our chimney and he will help us out. Thank you, Lord. We sit on his knee and tell him what we want and then we just crack on with our life. And I want us to understand that the Santa Claus God does not exist. God wants to involve us in receiving the blessing. So what do I mean by that? Well, he's, he's made us a steward. God wants me to, he wants us to steward our bodies. He said, what do you mean he wants to steward our bodies? Well, he's given us some instructions on how we might steward our bodies. He said, you know what? Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much alcohol. Don't use your body for sexual immorality. Don't do that stuff because you're going to damage your body. And I want you to understand that when you live like this, you will be happier. You will be happier. I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I'm trying to get you to understand that true enjoyment is like living in this way. Jesus wants us to steward our minds. He doesn't want to just steward our bodies. He wants us to steward our minds. Right now, right this second, I'm preaching to somebody. You you didn't come to hear anything else, but you've come to hear this. God wants you to steward your mind. You are being robbed of your faith. You are being robbed of your joy because the devil is just running wild in your mind. You are just letting anything run up and down the streets of your mind. Whereas Paul, when writing to the Corinthian church, he says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Don't let that stuff, don't let that stuff mess you up. Take, take it captive. Recognise it. Question it. Does that thought line up with God's Word? Does that thought line up with what I know about God? No, it doesn't. Throw it out. Throw it out. You know, they, someone once said, and it's not the Bible, but it's a good one, you know, the, the devil might, drive into your parking lot, but you don't have to give him a parking space. You can send him on his way. Paul writing to the Philippian church, he said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's saying, steward your mind. Don't let your mind tell you what to do, you tell it what to do. I could go on. Jesus wants to steward our marriages. He wants us to steward our families. He wants us to steward our resources, etc., etc. Jesus wants us to, to steward the blessing that He pours out. Do you remember when they, when Jesus broke the fish and the bread and it was supernaturally multiplied? And, and when everyone had eaten, Jesus said, Collect up what's left over. 
Don't let anything be wasted. See, God is incredibly extravagant, but He's not wasteful. He's a good steward of what He has blessed you with. God is watching the stewardship of our lives. I taught last week, didn't I, that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. These things matter. They are stewardship. Stewardship means that God isn't gonna do everything for you. You've got responsibility for your stuff and your life. And as you do that, He will bless you. God isn't just going to do things for you. He's going to do things through you. But you've got to trust Him to do what He says. See, love isn't just a feeling. Moas sat at the back there you know, what kind of marriage would it be if I just said, oh, I love you, babe. I love you, babe. You. I love you. Yeah. But I never come home, never provide for her, never show her love. It's, what kind of love would that be? What kind of relationship would that be if I'm always saying, I love you, I love you. You're awesome, I love you. But nothing happens. Do you not understand that it's a similar thing when I come to church and I say over and over, I love you, God. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're great. But I never actually practically do anything to prove that love. Love is action for God so loved the world He gave. For God so loved the world He gave. Loving and giving go together. I've got, to, I've got to bring this sermon to a landing. See, ultimately, I need to ask myself, what do I truly believe about God? Do I truly believe that God is good? Do I truly believe that God has a phenomenal plan for my life? See, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe it. God's got a plan for my life. But then, but then, you know, when someone else is blessed and they run ahead of you and you're left behind and you're still where you were, and now I think, yo, that's amazing. He's or she's gone on ahead, but I'm still where I am. That, 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 those moments prove what I really believe. But if I really believe that God is good, if I really believe He's got an incredible plan for me, that He wants to bless me, if I truly trust Him, then that, the answer to those questions will determine my ability to give. Let me put it this way. Years ago, there was um, an advertising campaign. Uh, I don't know whether you remember it. Do you love someone enough to give them your last Rolo? Do you remember that? Do you love someone 
to get enough to give them your last Rolo. He's like, wow. I mean, I think this actually could be a deep spiritual test of generosity. Do you love someone enough? I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know what, Audrey, I love you, Audrey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you my last Rolo. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you know, I've got two ways of reacting to this now because I've just, I don't know whether you noticed, I gave away my, my last Rolo and I got a way of reacting so I like it's, I could be reacting like <laughs> that's awesome I love you Audrey that's awesome Adam. I could be reacting like that or you see the, the truth is that the way I see that Rolo gives me an indication of what I really think about God because you see if I if I I've got a revelation about God or, or if I've got a, a rollovation. I'm here all week, folks. I'm just letting you know. If I've got a, a rollovation about God and, and, and I understand that, I, hey, wait a minute. I've given away my last roller, but I serve the rollo God. And my God has an eternal supply of Rolos. So that means that if I serve a God who, I, 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 haven't, I haven't given out of my lack, I've given Him out of my abundance because I serve an abundant God, a God who created Rolos. All the Rolos in the universe belong to God and He's gonna bless me. So I, when I know that, it's easy for me to give away my last Rolo because I know that I can never truly give away my last Rolo. Because I know when I sold that Rolo there, my harvest is coming. I, I don't know. Oh, oh, bless your Tando. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Joy, thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. James, bless you, man. Bless you. My last Rolo. Because I know when I sold that Rolo there, my harvest is coming. I, I don't know. Oh, oh, bless your Tando. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Joy, thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. James, bless you, man. Bless you. Wow. Because I serve the Rolo God. I serve a God who doesn't just give me what I've given, but press down, shaken together and running over. And you see, my God makes me rich in every way so that I can be generous on every occasion. I gave away my one roller, but now I've got lots of rollers. So now I can be generous. You can, you can be generous too if you want to. I don't know. Maybe we can share some Rolos over here because God has blessed me. You can share me. You can share. There you go. God is a God who pours out so much blessing. And I know that when I've sown that, God is going to send more and more because when I am generous, I am like God. And people give thanks to God. If we could just understand people, if we just 
do what He asks us to do, we will be blessed beyond our wildest dreams. God bless you. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.